Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association and available on our website at www.ceva.com. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined again by Tom Rosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitiv Lipper and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Thanks for having me, Diane. Good to be here. Tom, you recently published your report for March 2021, which covers over 600 closed-end and interval funds. How did investment markets generally perform in March, and what was the impact on closed-end funds? It was a moving month. It was certainly a little more volatility than we may have expected, but the broad-based indices were all up. But we continued on with that rotation that we've been talking about over the last two or three months. Uh, basically, we saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average post the strongest returns, up about 6.62%, and the NASDAQ was the relative laggard, up about 0.41%. But, you know, we got to put that in perspective when we're taking a look at the numbers. I mean, if we look at the one-year period, I mean, you remember, this is from March lows of 2020, the Dow Jones is up 50.48%, and the NASDAQ is up 72.04%. So to have a one month where, you know, the NASDAQ underperformed, uh, we certainly expected. But as I was saying, we saw a rotation, a continual rotation out of, and maybe not selling the stay-at-home, but not certainly not bidding them up, into to cyclicals. So this rotation continued as the Treasury yield began to stabilize. We saw a huge jump uh, in the Treasury yield this month, a 30 basis point jump. We ended up at 1.74%. And that we haven't seen since January of 2020. So that's a really high number. But it started to ease down, started to tame a little bit. We had great news. 379,000 new jobs were added. And we, this was against analyst expectations of 210. So really, this was a, you know, a good month to take a look at things. The Dow recorded a record high. Uh, they were at 32,000. Then they jumped within five days, fastest 1,000-point gain, the 30, over 33,000 mark. And this was really on kind of four things. Well, first of all, we all know the $1.9 trillion spending package got passed, basically covering the kind of Biden's interpretation of what needs to be spent for the COVID-19. We had a better vaccination rollout of you know, distribution. The Fed basically said it's going to do whatever it takes. In fact, uh, it plans on keeping interest rates low for a very long period of time, and their game is full employment. And then the last piece is people were anticipating the announcement and then more talks on the investors anticipating the infrastructure proposal that's going to be out there. So how this helped closed-end funds, about 80% of all closed-end funds were in the plus column. We saw 84% of the equities uh, in the black, and we saw about 78% of all fixed-income funds posting plus-side returns. So it really was a strong month overall. Let me give you a quick breakout. So equity funds had, for the fifth month in a row, plus-side performance, NAV-based, for the month of March was 2.77. On a market basis, it was up 4.03%. So that was a really strong month. For the quarter, it's up 6.36%. Now, if we take a look at fixed incomes, we remember last month we had some negative returns. It wasn't bad, but we had negative. So for 11th month in 12, plus side returns on a NAV basis, fixed income funds were up 0.45%. On a market basis, they were up a handsome 2.08%. And then for the quarter, and I'm not going to give you an average mark on that, but, you know, for the NAV base for the quarter was up 1.01%. So overall, good month. Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month and which sectors struggled? Let's take a look at equities first. And I, I always give kind of this macro view first so we kind of have an idea who the leader, who laggard was. For the third consecutive month, we saw domestic 
equity closed-in funds at the top of the charts, 3.72% return, followed by world equity closed-in funds up 1.73, and then mixed asset funds up about 0.76. Those are those 60, 40, or, you know, they have a combination of fixed income and equity in them, whatever the breakout is. And how this kind of factored out, though, is we saw energy-related funds come to the top. And if we take a look, we saw February's laggard for the first month, by the way, in 15, go to the top of the charts. Utility closed-in funds were up 8.33%. Energy MLP closed-in funds continued on their tear, up about 7.77%, and natural resources funds were about 4.99%. Now, at the bottom was the darlings over the last several months. You know, we had interest rate uh, issues and, and uh, you know, with uh, interest rates basically staying the same and equities going high, we saw convertible securities just smoking. They had a kind of ugly month, down 3.12%, but if you take a look at the year-to-date and stuff like that, they're still up very, very strong. So the big loser, and actually the only negative was convertible securities, but this is coming off a very strong uh, quarter and a very strong year. Now, if we take a look at the opposite side and we pay attention to fixed income funds, despite that 30 basis point increase in the 10-year treasury that I told you about, we, you know, and, and a general steeping of the yield curve, most of the classifications were in positive territory in the fixed income universe. Keep in mind, uh, again, 30 basis point increase, 174 basis points is basically, or 1.74% is what the 10-year treasury rose to. And the highest, like I said, since January, I can give you a date, January 23rd, 2020 was the last time we saw a yield that high. So we really had some fairly good returns because for everybody listening, you know, we all know about that inverse relationship as yields rise, usually uh, the value of our stocks decline. Like people are betting, yes, they'll decline, but we'll get more yield out of it. We'll be able to compensate for that decline as well. So what we saw for the second month of three is munis actually rise to the top up 1.01%, and certainly I can see the reason why. You know, we're talking about new taxes coming on board and increased spending for infrastructure. So certainly that played into them having a pretty strong month. Domestic taxable fixed income funds were up about 0.23%, and world income funds were the only loser, down 0.87%. Now, how that happened, emerging market hard currency debt funds were down 2.01%, and global income funds declined 042 But on the plus side, we saw people in search of yield, basically kind of shunning any of the higher quality. They really were up wanted yield. High yield munis were up 1.13. General and shoe munis were up 1.07. And if we look at the taxable side, high yield closed-in funds were up 0.66, and high yield leverage closed-in funds were up 0.47. So overall, it was still a very good month for fixed income, even though, again, we had this steepening of the yield curve and a couple of negatives here and there. Is this a change from what you saw in February? It is. We saw a greater focus towards cyclicals. You know, natural resources obviously did well. And we saw kind of that rotation I was talking about out of the safe haven place for fixed income. So we saw that the kind of the triple B rated funds were the ones that took it on the taxable side, kind of on the chin, so to speak. The worst negative return that was reported was a triple B rated, not the leverage, but the just triple B rated debt funds. They were down 1.09%. So a little bit of a change, kind of a continuation of what we were doing, but a little bit more focus away from quality. Do you expect these trends to continue into April? I do. You know, while the Fed doesn't see inflation uh, running out of control, the bond market is certainly betting against that bet. They think that inflation is going to cause, you know, more interest rate increases to occur. And with that said, we really had a kind of a decline in, in interest rates. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But quality issues will probably, you know, get a little bit more attention as interest rate and uh, taxes start to increase. 
So we, you know, we had some good news at the beginning of the month of April, you know, 916,000 new jobs in March. So, uh, you know, I, I imagine volatility is going to kick up. And, you know, if we take a look and then in the absence of a black swan event, you know, I think we could, you know, continue on with what we're doing better vaccination distributions, reopening of the economy. This all spells to a pretty good summer, although we are in that time of what a lot of people say will be coming to in about a month, so it may go away. Uh, we'll have to see what happens as people get into the summer. Uh, summer will, I mean, our vacation is going to happen alike. But back to your uh, initial question, yeah, I think we're going to continue on, but I think volatility will be there and people keep a keen eye on, uh, for instance, this Johnson & Johnson uh, recall, or at least a stop. It's not a recall, but a stop a vaccination for a while while they evaluate the blood clots. But if vaccination distribution continues to go well, reopening of the economy continues on, there's no reason to say that this economy has any reason to stop rallying or ignore the market. The way closed-end funds trade in relation to their net asset value is an important consideration for many investors. Did you see any specific trends in premium discount behavior for March? We did, and we saw a real improvement. I haven't seen discounts this low in quite some time, so let me give you an example. We saw the median discount for all closed-end funds, again, that's fixed income and equity together, uh, improve about 97 basis points to trade against the NAV, against for, for the market price, at a 4.63% discount. And that's quite an improvement. It's narrower than the 12-month moving average median discount of 8.03. And if we take a closer look and look at equity funds, they declined 131 basis points, so improved by 131 basis points. Their discount as of March 31st was at 6.80. And fixed income funds had 144 basis point increase uh, or improvement, I should say, really is a decline, but an improvement in their uh, discount to 3.50%. So we haven't seen it that low for quite some time. How do current premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages? So if we take a look at it, I kind of give you a big picture. So on 4-30-2020, that's a year ago, on April 30th, we had discounts. We had about 60 funds that were in premium territory. And if we take a look at 3-31-21 this last month, we had 114. So really, the number of funds trading at a premium has increased quite a bit. And it even in, just from one month to the next. So if you recall, on February 26th, when we were talking last time, there was only 90 funds that were in premium territory. So that was an improvement at 24. But let's get into specifics. Basically, on 430, 2020, we saw all funds at a 9.36% discount. Now we're at 4.63. Equity historically was at 10.98. Now we're at 6.80. And then fixed income was at 8.53% on April 30th, 2020. And then on March 31st, it was at 3.50 discount. So we've seen a big, big change. And there are some contrarians out there that might be listening to this saying, wow, that is really, really an improvement, and it really is. But obviously, we have to take into account what's happening in the markets and all the stimulus that's been passed over the last several months. And I don't know if it's a contrarian dream or not, but certainly we've seen a rapid improvement in the discount, premium discount territory. Which sector saw the greatest change? National Munis saw the largest improvement in their discount, 229 basis points. It dropped down to 2.87%. And single-state munis saw the smallest improvement. Nobody saw a degradation in their discount. So six basis points are for single-state munis to 6.07%. Tom, equity markets have had a good first quarter, but we've seen longer-term interest rates tick up, and some investors are raising concerns about the potential for inflation with the degree of economic stimulus we are seeing. 
Are there sectors among closed-end funds where investors may find particular opportunities given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages? And how do you see the direction of the markets? So this is actually a tough one. We're in that period of time. We're all going to be looking forward to uh, the uh, you know uh, quarterly earnings coming out. We've had some stimulus. I mean, again, as I said earlier, there is no reason to not think that with all the stimulus going on that we won't have it. The only concern I think people have right now is the tax situation. If taxes are raised, will this hurt profitability at the corporate level? So I think people are keeping an eye on that. But really, the, the things that we have to take a look for, loan participation funds did not do that well in March. I think people, you know, even though we saw a 30 basis point increase in treasuries, you know, I think the people were kind of sent back and saying, well, the Fed says it'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. The loan participation, while they did very well for the one-year period of time, actually even for the quarter, they didn't do well for March. So it's something we should probably keep an eye on. But basically with tax inflation as a recent concern, loan participation and muni bond funds, certainly both of them have done fairly well recently, are probably two areas that people will focus. You know, again, let me just give you a kind of rundown. We saw that on 331, the 10-year treasury, uh, treasury is a 1.74%. Now uh, it's on 4.9. We've seen a decline in that to 1.64%. And actually today, uh, just a couple of days later, 1.69%. So we have had a decline in that. So I guess I would keep an eye on that. But certainly those are two areas that people can benefit if, in fact, taxes go up and if, in fact, the inflation rate takes a jump. Tom, you also follow interval funds, which typically offer limited quarterly liquidity to investors. How have interval funds generally performed in the first quarter of 2021? we got to keep in mind it's the number of interval funds versus conventional closed-end funds is different. So we got 151 interval funds that we're tracking. we have 467 conventional closed-end funds. But when we take a look at it, when we're looking at all the funds, whether they're equity or fixed income, the average return for an interval fund was 2.79%, while the closed-end funds, conventional closed-end funds, were at 3.48%. But I'll tell you some of the things that you have to keep in mind when you're taking a look at this is what groups are in. For instance, natural resources funds had a great run-up, 16.05% for the quarter, but there are no interval funds in this space. Right. So, so I mean, we're, we're kind of piling, you know, piling a 16.05 against nothing. So this is where we get a little bit different in numbers when we're taking a look at those domestic versus non-domestic funds. But if we take a look at sector equity as an example, we see that in the sector equity space, about seven interval funds, 17 conventional open-end funds are closed-end funds. Apologize. The interval fund, it was up 6.70%, while in the sector equity space, the conventional closed-end fund only had a plus every return or 2.54%. So here we see sector equity funds outpacing. And then if we look at the general bond fund group, basically it's much heavier towards the interval fund side, about 44 funds versus 23 on the conventional space side. We see that the general bond funds were up 2.47%, while the conventional closed-end fund in that space was up only 1.05%. But that's the opposite when we look at real estate and loan parts. They underperform in the real estate funds and the under report. So really overall, I think to answer your question, it was a mixed bag. What asset classes or investment strategies do you believe offer the most interesting opportunities for interval fund investors in the current market? Well, so again, I, I think that when you take a look at we have to look at what, where the offerings are. So the three biggest classifications on the Lipper side, right, where we're taking a look at interval funds versus the conventional closed-end fund space, we see real estate funds are dominant in the interval and fund space, about 33 versus 9. 
the general bond funds are uh, 44 interval funds compared to 23 conventional closed-end funds. And then loan participation funds are 27 and 28. So, you know, these are three places that people could take a look into these. But we have to keep in mind, you know, we're asking about quarter or even year-to-date time periods. When we're looking at interval funds, we're looking at the ability to invest into private placements, whether it's on the equity side or whether it's on the fixed income side. And we have to be willing to go on a longer term than, let's say, even a quarter or maybe even a year. Again, liquidity is low, and they only offer a quarterly refunding where you can go in there and actually do redemption, and that's going to be for a limited amount of the assets. So this would be a long buy and hold piece where you're hoping to get yield in all three of these have a special place for yield. Real estate funds on the equity side, general bond funds on the bond fund side, of course, loan participation. If you want to call it the inverse relationship to the yield curve, you know, something that actually does better when inflation is going up. All three of these are something you could take a look at. Again, the caveat is we need to be very cautious that we aren't going to need this money in a short time period. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Diane, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we want to thank you for tuning into another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.siva.com.